Hey guys, this is Liz Cambay. This is Nikki Collin. What up, guys? It's Essence Carson. Hey, this is Imani Lee Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Asia Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. What's good, WNBA Nation? Your 2020 WNBA champions are the Seattle Storm, and we are here for it. And by we, I of course mean myself, Kyle Haywood, and my good friend, Logan Jones. Logan, what's up, dude? What's up? We got a championship winner to crown. That's what's up. (laughs) One of the the most fun days uh, of the season. It's so fun to see all the players, like, realize the expectations that we had for him before this season. I feel like it's so rare that that actually happens. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those rare seasons where um, pretty much the whole way with, without a doubt, they looked like they were on track to, to reach this moment. Um, and it's, it's so hard to get there uh, and they make it look so easy. Um, they've done it twice in three years now. We'll talk a little bit more about what that means soon, but um, yeah, just happy for them. Um, Good on Seattle. I, I hear Seattle's a great basketball city. I wonder. Uh, I wonder if they'll ever consider, you know, bringing a bringing a men's a team, team there. back. <laughs> Word on be. the street is that uh, they produce some serious hoopers up that way. Um, <laughs> dude, it's uh, what an uh, what an amazing season for the Seattle Storm. Um, I'll say this: it's not because of their lack of effort, but it's very rare that you see a team win a championship as seemingly easy as Seattle did. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm not saying that they didn't work for it, but it just felt like maybe it just was a, a, like maybe it just means like more about Maybe what am I trying to say? Basically maybe it's a a more of a reflection on the, the amount of talent that they have and just how hard they've worked to get here. But it felt like, like it just never was a question. I mean, technically they were the number two seed heading into the, into the playoffs, but you know, they were so dominant through the regular season. They basically just mailed it in for that last game, um, pulling Sue and Stewie um, against the aces, which is what, you know, and then that went down to the wire, which is allowed the, which, which is what allowed the aces to hop in and grab that number one seed. Um, you know, it just was, it's a really interesting time when you see a team that's this dominant go through and win as what seemed like as easy as they did they didn't have a single loss in the playoffs and if i'm not mistaken they only had one game yes they only had they so they went 6 and 0 in the playoffs and all of their games five of those six w's were by double digits there was only one game that, that came down to the wire, and that was the Alicia Clark put back uh, against Minnesota in the first game of the playoffs when they hadn't played a game in like two weeks. So other than that, Seattle absolutely dominated every single game in the postseason yeah. and completely, for the most part, dominated just about every element of the regular season as well. Um, just what are your thoughts on the Seattle team, and what does the future look like for the Seattle the Seattle squad, is this, is this going to be a multi-year uh, in addition to 2018 and 2020? Do you see this becoming a, a more long-term dynasty? Are we, are we looking at 
you know, two more championships in the next four years? Like, what are we looking at? Well, I'll start with the present. I think this group is a historic team. I think it's one of the best groups we'll ever see put together on a floor. They won a finals 92 to 59. Um, second in three years, they didn't really get a chance to defend uh, the title, even though they were a pretty good team last year because Bree Stewart's Achilles tear. But um, it certainly feels like we're in the era of the Seattle Storm right now. Um, and I'll, I'll touch more on that in a minute. But uh, this team could have probably gone the whole season undefeated. <laughs> I think they I, lost I three games all year. Two of them were to the Aces. Uh, and one, they didn't look like they cared because they had they had the second seed locked up and they just needed to make sure they had the double bye. And the other one was a game where they just completely fell asleep against the Indiana Fever. Um, and and you just get the – you know, that's the sort of thing that happens to good teams in every season. But you get the feeling looking back on it now that this team lost just three games all year and had the potential to clean all three of them up. I, I'm i not saying woulda, shoulda for – you know, I don't, we don't need to change any, anything that Seattle did this year in order to make them look even better than they are. But it's just, it's hard to picture another team being so dominant through the season, through the regular season. And then, as you said, through the postseason, uh, not losing a game and really not even having any in doubt. Um, you, you can't, you can't, <laughs> I was just about to say something that was going to be a pun and I feel really bad about it. I'll say it. I was going to say, you can't ace your, your exams <laughs> like, <laughs> like any better than they did. And I, I, I'm sure that headline is going to be out there. Don't do that. <laughs> That's a bad line. But, no, I, I love it. Know, I, I think it's not, it's not getting overly excited or overly caught up in the moment to say that this is one of the best women's basketball teams ever assembled. Uh, it's one of the best basketball teams ever assembled. Um, Ellen Tuck had a tweet basically explaining like Stewart's 26, Lloyd's 27, Canada's 25, like as he's 24, Sue Bird is ageless. So like you, you can't really, this, this is really the point I wanted to get to. I'm sorry that I'm rambling, but this is really what I wanted to explain. The storm now have as many titles in WNBA as anyone. They're, right, they're, they're, they're now a blue blood franchise there's only one other active franchise with four yeah and that's yeah yeah. we need to think about seattle and their their run of excellence basically from 04 till now which is pretty much the whole time sue bird has been there (laughs) right um we need to think of that run as the same way that we think about the links like just a perpetually great contending franchise they're always in the mix and knowing that that core is so young and that they're going to be able to stay together moving forward, this, this could easily become the gold standard franchise in professional women's hoops. Um, I, for a long time, I think it's been the Lynx. I think historically you could argue that it was the Comets, even though they you know, were defunct within a couple of years of their, their dominant stretch. But um, I, I don't think it takes a lot of arguing to say that the storm are not just in that group, but now reigning that group, um, which is something that I is, is new. That's, that's not something that Seattle sports has really ever had before across any sport. I love it. Um, where does this team rank as far as what you would consider, uh, you know, all time in WNBA history? What do you think? It's uh, it's so tough. Because there's, there's been teams 
with, you know, multiple Hall of Famers. Yeah, I, I would have taken this team against last year's Mystics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would as well. Obviously, there's, it's hard to, to make that conjecture, and I'm not taking anything away from last year's team. This is very different finals from last year, where you had right. um, Della Don, you know, gutting out these performances with her injured back and, and uh, uh, like, like, now I can't remember her name, the finals MVP. Emma Meeseman. Uh, <laughs> like, stepping up into role. That, that was like, oh, like, this is where heroes are made. This finals was much more... Seattle showed up to work, handled their business, like threw the aces in the basically the dryer every night, and we're just like, oh, we're done. <laughs> yeah, tumble dry on low. We we don't need to. It's it's no mess. Right. So I'm gonna play a little. I I would agree with that. I I think this might be a top two or three all time WNBA team. I think that they are right up there. I think that they could play with they could play with just about any other squad going back through WNBA history. Like they're just that good. Um, now a couple things just to play a little bit of devil's advocate again, a hundred percent congrats to Seattle. Uh, love it. Like just dominant. Like you couldn't ask for more from a team than what we saw from Seattle this season. A couple things, Logan, as far as looking a little bit to the future, um, just cause I do, I mean, literally the season ended like 20 minutes ago and I'm like, Ooh, what about next year? Right? Like that's, I'm just, I'm maybe that's, that's my way of like handling the sadness that the season's over right now. Like I'm kind of like running on this high, but like, I don't want to accept the fact that I don't get WNBA basketball for another like several months. Um, <laughs> so uh, but with that, it might like there are a few things, and Bree even um, alluded to this in in some of the post game comments. Seattle's one of only a couple teams. Well, I think they're the only team I believe that came into the bubble with their entire roster intact. Yeah, I think just about everybody else was losing pieces, and the majority of these teams were missing large pieces, like like superstar level pieces, like former MVP level pieces, right, in Washington. Um, and so with that being the case, um, do you feel like that – does that hinder at all Seattle's, like, look of dominance this season? Do you think that they would have still been as dominant if, let's say, Elena Deladon and um, – uh, so Elena Deldon or Liz Cambage, Kelsey, Pl- like if some of these other players were back, do you think, or we're playing this season, do you think that we would have seen as dominant a performance out of Seattle? Uh, I don't think it takes anything away. No, I, I mean, I'm sorry. They just swept the number one seed <laughs> in the finals. We made a big deal about the number one seed. And they we won by big, like what, 33? You know, we yeah. made a big deal about, Asia Wilson winning the MVP over Bree Stewart because of those regular season victories. No, it doesn't take anything away from the storm. Right. Um, if anything, I think being able to handle the season as well as they did playing every other night, not having any practices, not having their regular head coach there in the bubble with them uh, just goes to show how much of a separation there is between this storm team and the next tier of, of good teams behind them. Um, we, we talked a lot during the season about the Chicago sky, about the, the sparks, about the aces, a little bit about Minnesota. I, I hardly even remember those teams now. It's already forgotten. The season ended a half hour ago and I, you know, we're on to 2021. 
this storm team you will always remember um, because it was that great and they'll get another chance. They, they proved it in 2018. This is the repeat performance. This isn't just the, you know, was this a fluke? Were they really so good or was it the bubble? This is the, the second act um, of this play. And I, I know it's getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but the rest of the league is going to try to reload and make a run at them next year, but they're going to be in the mix next year. And that's where you start talking about, you know, if they pull a, a third title into Seattle with this same core, uh, even if Sue Bird eventually ages out and, and retires, which is kind of a mystery. At this Here's point. the thing. If she does, they're not losing a lot. They've got Jordan Canada. And, like, well, she they've got a starting a point guard on the, on the bench. So yeah, she didn't play a lot of games this year. So it's, it, it's a team that's used to that. Although I think her leadership and her, her, you know, poise in big moments would be really missed. She was key to winning that 2018 title. Um, but this, I think people need to remember because it's so easy to, to put it further in the past because it didn't happen in 2019, that this is the repeat performance. And next year, it, I, I think there's an opportunity for Seattle to both become the winningest franchise in WNBA history and prove that even above the four straight title comments, even above some of the other historically great teams we've seen, uh, this team just got the timing and the talent and the depth exactly right to be the best team we've ever seen. I agree with that. Uh, thanks for letting me play a little devil's advocate, but I agree. I, I think that they still win this year. I think that 2018 Seattle was probably one of the best teams I'd ever seen. And this was just another ver It was just that same team essentially, you know, in fact, maybe a little better um, this season. You know, I thought the, uh, you know, they've got Jordan Canada and they've got, you know, some other pieces that I really think um, added a lot to this team. And so I think, uh, you know, I, I, I really do believe that the Seattle Storm team is as good of a basketball team as the WNBA has seen in a very long time and could continue to be that for the next couple of seasons. Now, Washington's good. And they added Tina Charles. Um, like, like they're going to be solid. They're going to come back. They're going to be ready to go. Las Vegas, you know, you bring Liz Cambage and Kelsey Plum back. That starts to be a lot scarier squad, you know, when these people who are starting right now for the Aces are coming off the bench. Um, that makes your bench a lot deeper. Um, I think that Connecticut reloading with John Quell Jones, I think is, is somebody who I could really see um, you know, putting in a lot of work here and who knows what some of these other younger uh, teams that are kind of on the, you know, quote unquote, lower end of the, of the league, who knows what Kennedy Carter or Sabrina Ionescu or, um, you know, it, the Minnesota Lynx with back-to-back -back reigning rookie of the years. Um, look at some of these other teams could easily pick up a couple pieces in the off season and make a run at things. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of challengers, but I, I do think that intact this Seattle roster, you would have to make some major moves in the league to put together a squad that's, that would uh, cause me to not have them as my favorite moving forward. So um, I do want to take a quick, just a mini hiatus here before we, um, before we uh, get to just a couple other Things and just give a quick shout out to a couple of our five-star uh, reviews that we got this last week. 
Um, want to give a shout out to the user Where's My Power Nap? That was that's an awesome username. <laughs> um, they left a five star review titled "One of the Best Basketball Pods." Uh, it says, "I love good basketball analysis, and this is one of the best places to get it. I particularly love the women's game. So the fact that this is about the WNBA instead of the NBA is an added bonus. The WNBA has never been more exciting and is only getting better. I look forward to every episode so that I can relive relive the games. Thank you. Where's my power nap? That's awesome." Um, and then we just got another one on uh, last Friday by C415C uh, that's titled My Fave. Uh, it says, this is my favorite podcast, and every time a new episode drops, I listen right away. Nice job, guys. We appreciate that, guys. Thank you so, so much. We've actually noticed that uh, you know our podcast has slowly been growing up the Apple, uh, podca- or the, uh, the Apple podcast charts, um, which has been awesome because I think that that maybe puts – the league, the notice of the league, uh, you know, on more, uh, hopefully gets more people interested in, and in, in, in noticing it. And if we can help bring more people, um, to the league, then we've done a great, uh, then we've done a great thing because in our opinion, I think the only reason people aren't watching the league is because they haven't watched it yet. So that's our goal. It's our mission to get as many people doing that as, as possible. So if you can pause for two seconds, or you don't even need to pause, just if you can scroll down, pop a five-star review real quick that would help us out and if you're listening to some other WNBA podcasts or or uh, other blogs or things like that feel free to share those you know review those as well we're not competitive with any of them we just love to see the league grow and love to see the coverage of the league grow as well um but uh yeah just want to give a quick shout out to those now logan let's talk las vegas really quick uh, and, and, and kind of break down this actual game. We've talked kind of big picture stuff. I actually want to talk the game here. Um, so first quarter, Las Vegas jumps out to a quick lead. They're, they're up seven, nothing. And then nine to two, and they're looking really strong. And before we know it, uh, you know, it, it's a tight game and Bree Stewart goes out with a third foul. And, you know, and that's kind of the point where, it looked like Las Vegas really could maybe gain a decent lead. And then you just got to hold on to it, you know, as maybe Bree comes back onto the court in the second half. Um, that's not what happened at all. And in fact, it seemed like after Stewie went out with her third foul that Seattle actually went on a bit of a run and, and, it, and Las Vegas was never able to recover. Um, what were your initial – just what are your thoughts about the flow of this game and, and kind of what you saw – um, is this a, a Las Vegas team that was just outmatched? Were they tired? You know, were they still tired and kind of beat up from that five game series against Connecticut? Um, did it just seem like they mailed it in at the end? Like what was, what's your thoughts on Las Vegas's performance in this game three? Well, I was, I was excited, but also concerned in the first quarter when you had MVP Asia Wilson going for 14 um, and it made me think like, well, we're either going to get one of the great finals performances ever and Wilson's going to go for 50 plus or this will not continue and the Vegas Aces are going to be in some serious trouble because they didn't have a lot of other offense. And that's exactly what happened. She scored four points the rest of the game after that burst in the first quarter. And without her um, and honestly, without we, we hit on this last episode a lot, but without your sixth woman of the year. And without Kelsey Plum, who was your second highest scorer in the playoffs last year, and without Liz Cambage, who's been out all season, that you, you just kind of balances the floor for your offense, they didn't really stand much of a chance. Uh, mm. 
that it was the game two that really felt like uh, they had things clicking offensively that if they could have played tighter defense, they could have snuck one away. Um, but, you know, remember Seattle's making adjustments too. They're not just winning every night and then going to the locker room, like until they figure out how to, how to beat us, we'll just keep doing the same thing. Like they, they know, you know, they kind of figured some things out. Um, and as you said, they kind of woke up when Bree Stewart went to the bench because they knew uh, not to to let this chance at a title slip away. So, um, yeah, I mean, progressively, their their quarter breakdown, 13 in the second, 14 in the third, 11 in the fourth. I think maybe by the fourth, they were pretty demoralized. Um, I I think Bill Lambeer is a good coach, and this is a this is a mentally a pretty strong Aces team. Um, but you had to feel the weight of that fourth quarter. Um, you know, looking, you're down 25 going into the fourth against a storm team that hasn't lost a finals game since like 2004. <laughs> and it's like, you know what? <laughs> I, I don't know if we're going to do it. Right. Um, and I, I don't know if that's how professional athletes think or not, but um, you know, when you look across the, the court from you and you've got Stewie and bird and jewel, it, it must suddenly hit you at some point. Like, you got to just tip your cap to some teams. Like there's just nothing you can do. Yeah. It's just the, yeah, it's, they're just that good. Um, I was a little, now I'm calling, I'm only calling these two players out because I think that they are two players who I expect a lot from. However, I mean, it's hard to make a, a judgment call on, on, on anybody based on the scenarios given for the wobble for 2020 for, you know, the playoffs are an exhausting time as it is when you do get to go home and sleep in your own bed from time to time. And we, and you know, the wobble is just, is just brutal anyway. But I, I, I did feel like I just missed a little more, especially out of Kayla McBride um, and, and to some degree, Angel McCautry. I thought that those two stepping up could really give Las Vegas a, a fighting chance in this series. And they just to seem to just be, you know, pretty well locked down. I think that's also somewhat of a of an attribute to you know, Kayla McBride has a lot of perimeter uh, shooting and scoring abilities, and you know, you've got Alicia Clark and Joel Lloyd out there that play some really solid lockdown defense. And Angel McCautry, who who you know attacks the rim, you know, has some outside as well, but likes likes to get to the rim, likes to get the free throw line. And Alicia Clark, a lot of the time, was guarding her. Um, so shout out to to Seattle's guard line for for doing so well defensively. But when you're a player like Angel McCautry or uh, you know if if your name's McBuckets, I just I felt like I didn't see as much production. And again, not passing judgment here because I didn't go spend the last several months and weeks, you know, away from home and and uh, fighting out a five game series against a really awesome Connecticut Sun squad. Like no judgments. I just felt like that is kind of where some of the glaring weaknesses were for this Las Vegas team. Um, and I, and I, you know, Kayla McBride's like one of my daughter's two favorite players. And so that's the, I'm, I'm, I'm giving yeah. this out of love. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, you know, I just was I, hoping to see a little more there. It's interesting. You say that I, I would agree. Uh, I think Kayla McBride can do more for the team as, as the number two, but I think, with this starting group this year, or at least how the roster is constructed, I think it's McCautry is supposed to be the number two scoring option. And she disappeared. Uh, and that's, I, I don't like to be overly harsh when we're talking about 
going up against the Seattle team that was forcing a lot of turnovers and just contesting every shot, making things really difficult, but not a good night for Angel McCautry. And uh, by the way, the ESPN write-up of this game did not hold back uh, in in noting that now she is uh, she's been swept in four different WNBA final series, zero mm. and twelve in finals games. I I don't think that's a personal stat. I think that's a team team stat. Right, right, right. But the the, the fact smart, whoa. and then there's street smart like a high. <laughs> wow, that is hashtag not a sponsor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the uh the fact is she she Those hasn't autoplay videos in, uh, <laughs> she hasn't shown up in big games because i i think she's she's used to being the the two i i think or i think she's better fit as the two i think asia wilson was obviously the alpha in this game that needed to get going uh and wasn't able to to keep it going through all four quarters so i i think that reveals a little bit about how this roster is constructed and maybe what they need to change uh, I do think that they should acknowledge the existence of the three-point line next year uh, and get themselves either a healthy Kelsey Plum or get somebody uh, on this roster that can really stretch a defense uh, and allow Asia to do some more damage inside because there's a threat from outside. There really isn't one uh, on this offense if McBuckets is not hitting. And she just wasn't hot tonight. Uh, and everything kind of spirals out of control when when she's not having a good shooting night. No, I agree with that, and I I unfortunately feel like, uh, yeah, like I I just I don't know. I I was hoping for more out of that Las Vegas squad. I understand where we didn't get it. Um, I would love. I'm really excited to see what happens with this team moving forward. Um, I mean, Carolyn Swords literally got brought out of retirement because they were like, uh, we need a big. Um, so can you unretire real quick and come start for our WNBA team? Like, like that's, that was the status of this Las Vegas roster. Yeah. And then they go on to, to take that number one seed and, and make it to the finals. And so like not disappointed in Las Vegas's performance as a whole this season. Um, no, I was hoping I, to see a little bit more competitiveness out of the finals, but I get it. I totally get it. I, this I, is I feel like, yeah. Uh, an oversimplification because I, I don't think you can just do the math on paper and, and explain an entire series, but they're missing the Vegas. Vegas was missing two starters and the sixth woman of the year. And I, I think swords had a pretty good series. All things considered. Yeah, she think, really did. I think you had players like, like Emma Cannon come out of nowhere and have a good series. Like they had some players step up, but if you're going to take on one of the best teams we've ever seen play, who's now won two titles with this core, you got to have your full personnel. Um, and I just, it's too bad. Uh, I, I don't think any other team would have done any better, by the way. I, I don't think Minnesota gets close. I was going to say, you do, know, you maybe, else, do you think anybody else, do you think anybody else in the league play their absolute butts off? I think they can steal a game, but I, I really don't think, they were, I don't think the Aces were the wrong team to, to represent, you know, the foe for Seattle in the final. I think they were definitely the number two team. But no one else was just close. And that makes for very bland analysis from your, your WNBA <laughs> podcast host. But this team is just – you should just enjoy getting to watch this team play. Right. Absolutely. Uh, well, Logan, 
it, it was a phenomenal series. You know, we saw records broken uh, by by Sue Bird. We saw an absolutely insane playoff performance from Jewel Lloyd from from the first from all six games that she played, and she was a huge difference maker for Seattle. And of course, Bree Stewart winning the WNBA Finals MVP award. Um, that's, you know, that's not to even mention that you've got Alicia Clark and Natasha Howard and Jordan Canada and uh, Mercedes Russell with some big minutes. Like this was a really, really great performance by a Seattle Storm squad. Phenomenal seasons, season to Las Vegas. Um, I, I just want to kind of wrap things up and we're, we're, is, I, we're actually going to do an entire episode. Our, our next episode is actually going to be kind of breaking down this this season, the 2020 season that was, and taking a look back at it, talking about the wobble and everything that, that took place there, how the league handled things, um, and, and looking all into that. So that's going to be coming up next episode. But just we just want to give a quick shout-out and a thank you to everybody that was involved with this season, from the players to the coaches to the referees to the staff to everybody who was involved with the maintenance, with the COVID testing, with the sanitation, everything that, that took place. 2020 has sucked as a year. My favorite guitarist of all time died earlier today, and it's really, like, gutting me. But as rough as 2020 has been, the WNBA handling this bubble scenario, keeping players and everybody else involved safe, not having a single case come through the league and still putting out some of the best basketball that's ever been seen. This is why I love this league. And I just have to say thank you on behalf of all of us at WNBA nation for, for what happened here. I think that, you know, the vision that Kathy Engelbert had, you know, to, to put this together, the leadership that, that she uh, personified the WNBPA um, the Players Association and all that they did to, to try and make this work um, and everybody involved and even those who decided to step away. You know, you saw, um, you know, Renee Montgomery and, and, uh, and, and others who were not involved and actually went to play, you know, for one reason or another for health concerns or whatnot. Thank you for still supporting the league. You know, there was a lot of players who were invited to give halftime analysis that weren't in the wobble and, and, and whatnot. And so even players that chose for their own reasons to not come, thank you. It was just a phenomenal, phenomenal season. We're going to break it all down next episode. Um, but we just want to say thank you because of all the terribleness that has been in 2020, this was, and I, I don't mean this lightly, one of the very brightest spots of this entire year uh, for me personally. I just want to say thank you. Logan, thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, in addition to all of that, I think this was not the year we expected from the WNBA. We, we really thought um, there was going to be all this momentum from Sabrina being drafted and a, a, a women's bracket in college ball that was shaping up to be one of the best and most interesting ever. And we, I remember we were all really disappointed when that didn't really come to fruition. And we, we learned that we were going to be watching ball in a bubble with no fans and, um, and instead, I think the WNBA was still really able to capitalize and, and create its own momentum uh, in other ways. And I, I'm impressed that 
their, their leadership on social issues, um, the Breonna Taylor on the back of jerseys, the, the entire idea for the bubble, um, just a lot of initiatives that they took this year in order to maintain have that stance that this is a league that, that cares about more than just basketball. I think it's beginning to make ripple effects throughout the rest of the sports world. You could see the NBA, um, you know, drawing a lot of ideas from the WNBA this year, which is okay. That's not something we should resist and be like, women thought of it first. It's like, no, we should all be looking to the WNBA for good ideas because they have lots of them. Um, and I, you know, there's all this discussion going on right now about you know baseball's ratings are dropping and basketball's ratings are dropping and is it because these leagues are taking social stances and political stances and and making you know kind of taking sides and I think it's really interesting that the WNBA's ratings are getting better um, as the exposure gets better even though they've maintained their status as kind of a, a thought leader I hate that term it's a very techie term but they they really do kind of uh, lead the way in the sports world on on those issues like you see things in the players tribune all the time from the players speaking out um, they're very active on social media all of the things they do on the court um like for the for the purpose of being visibly um behind the different initiatives I, I just think is really impressive so i hope i worded that well we don't talk a lot about them on this show because we're more x's and o's and we like to talk about the basketball but i'm impressed that the league is under kathy engelbert oh ah, under Kathy Engelbert's leadership, <laughs> Kathy Engelbert's leadership is a deceptively hard thing to say. Um, they've been able to push basketball to the forefront without lessening or covering any of you know any of the the social aspects of the game that they also try to promote. And I think it would be really easy to screw that balance up and forget about that. Um, and instead, they've been able to maintain both as a priority. And it, I think we saw great basketball this year. I don't think the, the product on the floor was was hurt by the bubble outside of just a lot of players that we didn't get to see play this year. Um, and I just it, – it's it can't be overstated how difficult it must have been to pull this season off and have a satisfying conclusion. Um, and, and, yeah, they did. So uh, – yeah, props props to this league for, for for kind of doing the impossible and making this year happen, making a draft happen when we didn't get to see any of the you know the big time players play against each other in the spring. Um, it seems like not that long ago we were just watching the the Sabrina draft, and now here we are at the end of the season with uh with an off season of content to plan for you guys. Speaking of, uh, as I'm sure a couple of you might be able to hear, my uh, my daughters are 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 still awake and uh, and were excited watching the game with me. So if you hear them yelling, it's they just were they were celebrating the game. <laughs> but um, uh, speaking of off season content, we do have a lot coming. Uh, again, like I mentioned, we're going to have a retrospective on the season. Um, we're going to be we're going to be taking a look back. We're going to be taking a look forward. We're going to give some way too early predictions. Um, we're also going to be taking a look at uh, some W history type stuff. We'll probably, you know, later on, once we get to March, we'll hit up some more bracket talk um, that we always love to do. Um, there's a ton of off season coverage. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, man, that was fun. What a great season. I'll have to drop this podcast and pick it up. Uh, pick it up once the season starts next year, once 2021 begins. 
don't. All right. Cause here's the thing during the season's great. I love recording this podcast during the season. I think we have more fun during the off season. Does that make sense? I think that there's obviously more content to, to discuss and, and it's, it's a blast to really get into the games and the nitty gritty of like the day to day happenings of, of the league. But the off season, we still give updates on, you know, NCAA watch lists. We look at overseas play, um, you know, off season moves, trades, free agency, all of that. Like that's still all on the table for us. Um, but in addition to that, we have a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun episodes. Uh, we've done everything from, you know, a three part uh, analysis, a, a chronology of the rise and fall of the, of the Houston Comets to breaking down some of the best and worst uniforms that we've seen in the league. Um, we have off season interviews with a lot of players and we're able to bring some players on and, and get to talk uh, with them a little bit more and, and bring some stories that way. So we've got a ton of off season content um, and we hope that you stay engaged with us throughout the rest of the off season uh, as we prepare for 2021. Um, and one of the best ways to get in contact with us is on Twitter. Logan, how about you give the rundown of all the ways that people can, can, uh, can reach us and, and interact with us as we head into the off season. Yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at WNBA Nation Pod. Bam! You can just be like, bam, follow. And then, bam! All, I don't know why I'm doing that, but all of our tweets will show up on your feed. Uh, and then you can <laughs> engage with us and be part of that little Twitter family that we've got going uh, with the other WNBA podcasts and, and those who follow this league. There's going to be plenty of stuff to talk about in the offseason, especially in the, the days and weeks ahead. I'm sure we'll be doing some season look back stuff as well as some like end of year awards type of things. Uh, and I don't just mean like MVP, but I mean like best bucket and, you know, fun stuff like that. Uh, so we'll, we'll have some stuff like that for you as well. Uh, you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're pretty much everywhere. You've obviously found us and listened this far. So if you haven't reviewed yet uh, and you want a shout out on the show, you can feel free to go in and give us a five-star review. Tell us what you like about the episodes. Uh, we really like hearing from you guys. It, it honestly warms our heart. We have a group chat, uh, obviously, that we every time there's a new five-star review, we all text it to each other and we're like, did you guys see? This is so cool. Um, and we get really excited about it. So uh, thank <laughs> you true. for those of you who have reviewed. Uh, please help us get uh, found and noticed uh, and promoted and up the list of sports podcasts by, by doing that for us. Um, and in return, we have a, a Patreon, uh, which you can choose to financially support the show um, to a bunch of different degrees, and you can get some cool kickbacks that way. Uh, supporting us on Patreon also makes the show sound better and allows us to do some cool things like send people to games who've never been there before once there's people out at games again. Uh, and we really, we really care a lot about those things. So, um, that's the media rundown. I think I got it all. Uh, Kyle, is there anything we missed today? No, no. I think uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. I do want to give a quick shout out. We've had a lot of patrons um, throughout the season, and we have not been putting up as much content um, on our Patreon simply because we felt like we needed to really hunker down and and I mean we had three games a day to watch and cover, and we were trying to record twice a week. Um, patrons, thank you for still listening, for still, uh, for still being there and, and for giving your support. Um, we really appreciate that. There's going to be a lot of content coming your way this off season, and we're going to be getting you all of your, 
Uh, we're we're going to be getting you more content. Hopefully, as fans, you know, if, if Corona starts to slow down, we can get some of you off to some games on us, um, you know, based on the tier that you uh, subscribe to. Uh, we just want to give you all a shout out. Thank you for all that you do. Um, and for those of you who are looking to join our Patreon, we've got some awesome kickbacks there and you'll be getting a lot more content uh, as we head into the off season. Um, we're excited about that and excited to start to interact there a little bit more now that uh, it seems like we can keep our heads above water somewhat uh, without the craziness of, of the, you know, three games a day uh, in the WNBA uh, bubble. So I uh, just want to give a shout out to everybody involved there as well. Um, but uh, I think that's everything for WNBA Nation. I'm Kyle Haywood. I'm Logan Jones. And we got you next time.